0: Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, and if you don't have a Bible, then just look on with the person next to you, and be nice, if you have a Bible and the person next to you doesn't have one, let them read, (laughs) even if you don't like them. Isaiah 14, verse 12, let's read this together. I'm so glad the group came up from Baltimore, I'm so happy to see these guys. Next stop is moving here. (laughs) Pressure is on. Okay, Isaiah 14, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will, exalt, I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol and the lowest depths of the pit. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless this word. Really speak to us in this series. Open our hearts through just spiritual revelation and understanding. Give us comprehension, Lord, that we can understand what we're hearing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um. I'd like to just start giving a little background of where Satan came from, and maybe some of you know this, but there is a general lack of understanding of who Satan and Lucifer are and where they came from and what the angelic conflict is today and what that means in our life as a believer. What happens that impacts our life in a great way And we'll just start with this, that Satan is a real created being. He was an angel, or is an angel, and a cherub. And what is a cherub in Ezekiel 28, verse 14? A cherub is not one of these little chunky babies that have wings on them, sitting on a cloud with a bow and arrow. That is such a lie from hell, because a cherub was and is a very significant special angel, class of angel, which is the highest class of an angel. Angels have different ranks and different classes. Did you know that? And so do demons. We want to talk about that today in depth. And Lucifer was, was the highest. He was the anointed cherub. He was, at the time, the covering cherub over the throne of God. He was a beautiful creature, and his original name was Lucifer, which meant son of the morning, meaning he was the, he was as the morning star that rises, the first visible star or the last visible star in the morning. And so he was very, very beautiful to look at. Uh, some commentators, if you read carefully, Ezekiel 28, uh, Lucifer was, he was a creation that had a beginning but has no end. Uh, he was created, he was a created angel, and he is a created angel. Um, and he was a walking, living angel worship instrument every part of his being had the ability to um emit worship and and just uh, amazing praise to God his job was to lead the worship of all the angels to God the Father and to the Trinity that was one of the things that he did he was uh he and if you read Exodus, uh, Ezekiel 28 you can just see the incredible design that he has he was the most beautiful of all the angels. Uh, but God's most beautiful creation, Ezekiel 28, verse 17, uh, had an issue. In eternity past in heaven, Lucifer, the highest ranking of God's angels, became filled with arrogance. He got arrogant. Uh, we read in the, New, in the New Testament, Paul said that he got lifted up with pride because of his own beauty. He started looking in the mirror too much. He became overwhelmed with his own beauty and his own wisdom. And he had insight and access to some of what God was doing in his eternal plan. Because angels were being taught in 1 Peter 1 verse 12. Angels from the beginning of time, even before man was created, angels were in a classroom where they were being instructed by God the Father himself. They were kind of like in a Bible school, 1 Peter 1 verse 12. And there was an aspect that the angels were going to start learning about called grace that a creation called mankind would be created and that he would fall and that he would be given grace. Now how much access the angels had to this information or Lucifer had to this information about God's plan, we don't know. But there was an issue that came up where Lucifer became at odds with God, and felt that he could do a better job and became lifted up in pride. And so he became arrogant, and this was a problem because arrogance is different than pride. Arrogance is the character of pride. If you were to take a proud person, arrogance would be actually the way they would function or they would would carry themselves. And so angels, like human beings, possess free will. Did you know that? Angels have free will. And before man was created, there was a, there was a moment where Lucifer uh, pitched these, a group of angels to follow along with him in his rebellion against God in Isaiah 14, verses 20, 12, verse 15. And when he did that, and some say that because it was a third of the angels that fell with him, uh, some Bible teachers teach that actually Lucifer was overseeing that one-third, that he was per- personally responsible for that one-third. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but it's a theory. But it's interesting to note the influence that Lucifer had over the angels. And here is here are all the angels of God before man was created in the throne room of God, and a created being like Lucifer, in the presence of God himself, deceives them. Isn't that amazing how deception can happen? Someone could be in the, in the middle of seeing God in an amazing way and then become deceived. And so this really happens. And so Satan, at that Lucifer, at that moment, his name is changed. And then he is, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 12, he is cast out of heaven. And uh, without going into too much detail here, Uh, There are actually uh, three falls of Satan. The first one is that that Lucifer is kicked out of heaven. That's Revelation chapter 12. He is no longer living in the throne room of God with those third of the angels. He's kicked out with those angels down to where is he kicked out to? To the atmosphere in Ephesians 2 verse 2. He He is now... Limited to the atmosphere around this earth, before he had access to the whole universe and to the throne room of God, he can still approach the throne room of God, but he can't abide there. He has been kicked out. And then the third fall of Lucifer is, is during the tribulation when he is when he is kicked out of the atmosphere to the earth, and that's when he possesses the Antichrist. We won't get into that, but the Antichrist actually becomes possessed with Satan and this is an unbelievable thing. We can talk about that later. And so we see that Lucifer, um, the highest ranking of angels, leads a rebellion against God. And there are many names that are, many names and many different kinds of descriptions that now describe Satan. And his name now is Satan. His main name is devil or Satan. And uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But there are two things that are happening now in this universe. There is the work of the devil which is which is campaigning against God and then there is the work of God. God states all the time in his word, I am. Remember that when he's speaking to Moses, he's speaking to Moses saying tell them that I am has sent you. I am. And what what does that it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you've heard this for the first time. What it means is is that I am self sufficient. I am what I am. And I am not afraid to manifest that. And that's been the great heartbeat of God to manifest who He really is to this world and this world system. That is the great desire that God has for you and I, for you and I to really truly know who God is. But the devil, his campaign is different. Satan says, I am not. He says, I am not. I'm not here. I don't exist. It's just the antithesis of God. There is no devil. There's no red guy walking around with a pitchfork and horns. You know, Halloween's coming up, and you're probably going to see a lot of these costumes. But this is not the devil. the devil. The devil says, I am not. And so Satan's greatest influence in this world system is com- claiming that he does not exist and with that claim that he doesn't exist, he wants to persuade people to see. To see and, and says to them, uh, "There's nothing here. There's nothing to see here. Just move on. Move on in your life. There is no devil. Where is the devil? You know, where, where, does he live in Chopperite? Or you know, where is he? Where is he? Down? You know, is he in the park? Or is he in my car? Where, where is he? Someone point to me where the devil is. And, and that is a ignorant way to think. There is a devil, and he's invisible. And he's the prince of the power of the air. And so there are many different uh, descriptions of the devil. And I have everything here on the screen here. So if you get a little lost, uh, just look up here. And if it's too small, then next Sunday move a little closer, okay? And, or, or we can buy special binoculars for you at a discounted price. All right? He is a counterfeiter. Satan is a counterfeiter. He wants to counterfeit Everything about God in your life, he wants to bless you with counterfeit blessings. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 to 15. You know that? Satan wants to bless the believer without a cross. What's the difference in 1 John chapter 4? What's the, what's the spirit of the Antichrist versus the spirit of Christ? Do you remember what that is? What's the difference between the work of Satan and the work of God? The work of God has a cross in it, doesn't it? And it requires a crucifixion, it requires death to self, it requires a putting aside the old sin natures and the works of the flesh. This, the plan of, the, of Lucifer, the plan of Satan, and his name is not Lucifer anymore, but the plan of Satan really now is, is to counterfeit everything that God has for you in your life. Are you waiting for something in your life? Are you trusting God to meet a provision? Are you um, looking for God to answer a prayer? Well, be careful, because the devil wants to bless you with something without having to go through a cross and waiting on God. Okay, remember that. Number two, he's a liar, John 8, verse 44. This is, he is a liar. You know, and we're going to talk about this next week. Um, anyone that is a Satan worshiper, it's all about power, isn't it? Power and spells, and I'm going to talk about I don't want to spoil next week's message. And they're living in the sense that, oh, Satan is more powerful. He's powerful over people. and I'll have more power over people. That's a total bunch of um, stuff. <laughs> it really is. Because guess what? The devil is not more powerful than God. And guess what also? He is limited to what he can do. So if you meet a Satan worshiper, and he's very intimidating to look at, don't get intimidated by him. This is, what, this is what Satan worshipers, and this is what these people try to do, is scare people with fear. Because fear is the greatest tactic of the devil, all right? He wants to cause fear in the believer's life. And Satan and his, and his, all of his crafts and spells have no power over the believer. We'll talk about that next week. He's a liar. Just remember, he's a liar. And I, this is what I tell Satan worshipers when they have the courage to tell me that they are. I would say, you know what? The God you're worshiping is defeated, number one. Number two, he's a liar. He just he is using you to advance his campaign and his system in the world. Got it? Number three, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. He is a murderer. <laughs> he's a killer. He wants to kill people. He wants to murder people. And you can see that in his system. He is a murderer. I mean, we see a Cain and Abel. Cain who goes the way of who exits the way of God, what's the, one of the first things that he does? He murders his brother. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, he's a deceiver. He is a deceiver. Why? Because he's a liar. Uh, next one, 2 uh, Corinthians 4, he blinds the mind. Do you ever have a blinded mind? I want to talk about that tonight a little bit. What's a blinded mind? It means that I, I am not seeing what really is happening you ever talk to someone, or have you ever seen yourself been deceived and you're not seeing things clearly? You've got a blinded mind. It's like going out. Have you ever had snow blindness? You know what that is? You're, going, you're outside and you're snow blind, you can't see. Well, that's the same thing, spiritually blind. There's so much brightness, but it's the wrong kind of light that we're blind, that we get blinded. Uh, 1 John 3, verse 8, he is the author of sin. Do you know that's a very important thing? because the old sin nature who you and I are in the flesh that was an invention of the devil right the new man in Christ we are a new man in Christ right old things are passed away all things are new we are created in Christ to do good works that new creation is from God but what is the old sin nature your flesh your your trends your your deficiencies your your self image outside of God what is that it's an invention of the devil for you to believe that about yourself. Case in point, um, there's a lady, uh, her and her husband were on my team in Ukraine, and she told me, and she's a very funny person, she's a blast to be with, and just we laugh all the time. And she said, when I was growing up, I believed this lie about me that I wasn't a happy, funny person, but that I was depressed, and that I was sad, and that nobody liked me. And I said, that is just the opposite of who you are in Christ. is that I'm just shocked that you would even say that. People believe the devil's image about them, because the devil is the author of sin. OK? And then um, the devil produces illnesses. He invents diseases. Do you know that? He invents diseases. The CDC doesn't do that. and these, and these bioterrorists don't do that. The devil produces He created AIDS. And he's created it through uh, a certain chemical process, and biological process. He is the accuser in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. The accuser. You ever hear the voice of the accuser from your own conscience or from someone else? That's right. He is an accuser. And then lastly, he is, an, he is a hinderer in your life for the plan of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He wants to hinder God's plan in your life. OK, you got it? Go back. He is a thank you. If I'm going too fast, just raise your hand and say, hey, OK, we're in church, but you can say things sometimes. <laughs> He's a hinder. And I just want to say that God's plan in your life is to bring you into a place of victory, a place of overcoming and a place of health and blessing. God wants to bring you to a place where you are so blessed that you are blessing other people who associate themselves with you. Do you know that? Imagine that people are blessed because they know you. That's God's plan. And you say, "Well, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know who people what people have done to me." That doesn't matter because God gives us the victory over the lies of the devil. Okay? Can we continue? So Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, Lucifer's arrogance led him to declare five things. I We read this already. Number one, I will ascend into heaven. Okay, so the devil is really into will worship or will power. And we have to be careful. I'm trying to be careful with my arm here. Um, I just can't wear my sling during the message. The devil wants to, well, the devil cried out five specific things. He said, I will will ascend to heaven. This is verse 13. And you can find these five things in everything that the devil has his influence in the world. You can see this in our society. You can see this in our education. You can see this in our social life. You can see this online. You can see this. That Satan's arrogance was, I will ascend into heaven. What did Jesus say? Philippians chapter 2, I will descend. Okay, number two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. (laughs) Okay, Lucifer wanted to exalt himself. What are the stars of God? These are the children of Abraham by faith. These are you and I. We are like the stars in the heaven. And the sand of the sea always re- refers to the, the descendants of Israel and of Abraham. But we are, we are as the stars of heaven. And the, and the devil wanted to exalt his throne of leadership and governorship over all believers. He said, I will. That's what he wants to do today. He wants to control believers today with his throne. Number three. Approbation. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. What's the mount of the congregation? What's the body of Christ, isn't it? And, the, and Lucifer wanted to be the top most important guy in that. He said, I will sit on the mount. And then the, the, the fourth thing he said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He wants to displace God as the sovereignty of the universe, and he wants to usurp God's authority. And this is what he wanted to do. I will ascend above the clouds the heights of the clouds. This is powerless. And then, and then number five, he became mad with power. He said, I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. Let's just park there just for a second. You can hear that today sometimes in Christianity, that you got to be like God. you got to be like Christ. you gotta, you got to work hard and change your life to be more God-like. How about this one? What would Jesus do? I don't know. Jesus' mission is different than what our mission is. I'm not here to be a vicarious sacrifice for the entire world. <laughs> I'm here to follow Jesus Christ and the plan of God, you know. And so if we're not careful, we can want to be like God but without a cross because of some kind of power, desire of power in our life. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So let's just continue here. So what happened here is that that led to that revolt against God led to his downfall. And of course, Lucifer could not beat God. And so that led to his downfall, his sentencing. He was sentenced, right, to the lake of fire. It's like a court case. He was sentenced to the lake of fire. And what did he do? The lake of fire sentence is a delayed judgment. It's like going to court saying, okay, you're guilty, but you don't have to pay the fine until later. It's a delayed judgment. It's like a delayed judgment, correct? So God sentenced the devil to the lake of fire and his demons as we read in the book of Mark. But that is to happen at a later date. So what is he doing now? What's the devil doing now in Job chapter 1 verse 7? He's running around the earth and he's trying to appeal his case to God, saying, "God, you made a bad decision. That wasn't fair." Um his main case is this. God the angels had a choice and man had a choice. But the angels fell but they didn't get any grace to be saved, right? God's angels didn't get any grace and then so but man gets grace. What's the what's the scoop there? Well the difference is, is that angels were in the presence of God visiting vi- seeing God visibly in his presence and they had a one-time choice to make. Man was created in limitation and in weakness with needs that angels did not have. And man, when he fell, he received grace because of God's compassionate mercy. And so this is important. I want to just mention this here for a minute, that the devil is appealing his case. Do you ever know what Do you know what it means to appeal a case? You lose a case, you say, I'm going, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go to the Supreme Court. Well, this is what the devil's trying to do today. He is trying to appeal his case to God, and he's taking all of these years that he has before the Lake of Fire judgment happens, and he's trying to make a case to God and to people that he really wasn't guilty, that he's really right, and that God is really wrong. And this is what occultists and Satanists will say, that God's really the bad guy, and then Lucifer was just the underdog, and he's trying to to be a good guy. But this is also deception and lie. And so what, what has happened here in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, he goes to and fro throughout the whole world. And he's looking for people. And get this, okay? He is looking for people to be witnesses for his case against God. You ever have a car accident and you're saying, okay, I wonder who saw that. Is there anyone here? And they're just looking, you're looking around and you're trying to get a witness. And when you get a witness, then you've got a case and so what he's trying to do is he's trying to use believers and unbelievers as witnesses against God. This is what he does. He'll go to somebody who has, who has cancer and is dying of cancer and says, you know what? If, if God was a loving God, he wouldn't give you cancer. and He wouldn't let you die this kind of bad death. And that person gets, that, that person becomes ignorant of God's eternal purpose and God's plan to bless them through this cancer and maybe even heal them. And that person gets bitter and says, you know what? God is an evil God. He gave me cancer and he let me, he's letting me die of cancer. And, and then what happens to that person? He becomes what? A witness against God's, God's sentencing of the devil. Right? Here's another example. Uh, we look at what's happening in the world in the Middle East. We see people being killed for their faith. We're seeing people unjustly being Treated, and we say, how can God adjust God? Let that happen. Whenever you and I look at injustice, we're challenged to say, what is God doing here? We have to be careful because the devil wants to get us to think outside of God's viewpoint, divine viewpoint, and start thinking in our own natural way about our life. And then say, what is God? And then we become a witness against God. And so that's important. And this is, what our whole, this is what the whole campaign to do. So Satan was allowed to appeal his sentence and that of his angels that he led away since the sentence will not be carried out to the end of human history. Satan, so let's get into this and I want to wrap this up with this. Satan was the adversary of God at his prehistoric trial before time even began and continues to act today as the accuser of the brethren. And this is what he does. He does. He will, the devil will take a person, he'll cross-examine them as in a courtroom. And this is what he, let's take, Let's case in point, Adam and Eve in the garden. This is a classic situation, okay, of what I'm saying. Adam and Eve are in the garden. The devil appears as a serpent, or probably more like a reptile dragon-like figure comes to Eve. And he says to Eve, what does he say? He begins to accuse God. He begins to cross-examine her. And he says, did God really say this? Did God really say? What did he really say? This is what the cross-examiner does during a court case, doesn't he? He gets everybody all mixed up with what actually really happened. And his job is to confuse people sometimes or really to get the truth out. What did God really say? And so what he does is he turns Eve as a witness against God. And then what does Eve do? Eve goes and seduces her husband into thinking the same thing. And he starts thinking the same thing about God. So what has just happened? Mankind has now fallen. And you know when mankind fell, the entire creation fell. Even our, even our little pets that we love, they fell in their nature. They have fallen natures. I don't know if you notice that. My dog's got a fallen nature. <laughs> Except for when Rose comes over and she's really happy. Okay. And this is what happens. Why was man created? I just want to tell you that when God sentenced Lucifer to the lake of fire, Lucifer said, hey, that's not fair. And this is, you're an evil God. And God said, I will prove you wrong, Lucifer. I'm going to create a creation that's weaker, way weaker than you. That's just frail and just broken and so so needy. It's got to sleep half of its life. It's got to eat or it's going to die it's got to have relationships and marriage and all this stuff or it's going to be, and it, it, sometimes it gets confused and it gets messed up. I'm going to create this, I'm going to create these people, I'm going to create mankind. And mankind is going to prove you wrong, Lucifer. Oh, and that's a big thing for a proud, beautiful angel like <laughs> Lucifer to experience. Case in point, Job. I know some of you mentioned that you want to hear more about Job. Job, the story of Job is an amazing story. It's about suffering. And, you know, when we talk to people about suffering, if someone's really suffering, we're not going to sit them down and say, hey, listen to me, I'm going to teach you for an hour about suffering. Mm-hmm. They want identification, and they want to see an example of someone that's gone through it. That's the story of Job right there. Job is not a book about, it's not a teaching book, but it's a book about identification and how someone practically went through it, even if they failed. And so God uses Job. And we see Job chapter 1, have you considered my servants? You know, here Satan's running around the world, like, you know, going to and fro the earth, looking, and and he says, hey, have you looked at Job? And then he begins to test Job. And in the end, what happens? Yes, Job fails. But what happens in the end? I know some of you have been reading the book of Job. You've told me, in the end, Job, little weak Job, who is brought down to nothing. And that's what can happen sometimes in our life. We can be, like, like Dave, Dave was saying, we can be brought down to nothing and we're scratching our heads and we're saying, why, God? And guess what? Job is saying the same thing, why, God? But Job is never, his questions are never answered. <laughs> Do you ever see God answering Job's question? Okay, well, number one, you ask this question, this is the answer. Number, he never does that. Job goes through his whole trial and get to, when, he, when he dies, we don't see that he ever got answers for what he why he went through the things he went through. There are some things that God may never answer in our lives, but what do we do? We just trust God. And so this is really the this is really the story of the present work of the devil. He is an accuser. And when the Bible speaks, when the Bible speaks about an accuser, really it is a It's a word that is really a legal word that's used for, like, a prosecutor in a trial. So I know that some of us in Greater Grace, we've heard the teaching about the courtroom. You ever heard that teaching, that we're in a spiritual courtroom? And, And so I thought I would explain that a little bit to you. And so in Satan's appeal against God's sentence, against him, Satan looks for witnesses throughout history to testify, contrary to God and his justice, these witnesses may be believers and unbelievers, all right? Okay, so let's just continue. So this is what it's meant by angelic conflict and what happened at the Garden of Eden. I just went into that. Okay, so in closing, God's victory over the devil was strategic and it was tactical. And I just want to finish with this, that what is our victory over the devil? And it's both, it is both strategic and, and and tactical. Now, what does that mean? Jesus Christ, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20, and Colossians 2.9 won the strategic victory what does it mean strategic why is it strategic for you and I because the devil has a plan and operations for you and I today the devil has a 10 year plan for us he has a 30 year plan he's got, he's got a plan that you and I would die in defeat well, Jesus Christ has defeated that strategically and how has he done that he did that. I mean, I'm not talking about us personally, only us personally, but for all of mankind. In Genesis 3, verse 15, this is how Jesus Christ won the strategic victory. He said, I will put enmity between the woman, um, between his seed and the seed of the woman. And that is through the cross. And so the cross gives us a strategic victory over the devil. When you and I take up our cross, and this is the practical application of the message As we close, when you and I take up our cross daily, when we fail, we just rebound back into the cross. When we take up our cross, what happens? We are not going to be strategically defeated by the devil. You want to defeat the devil's plan for your life? Just take up your cross today. What does that mean? I just Galatians 2.20, I die to myself, and I'm alive unto God. It's like, this is what I want in my life, but God, not my will, but die and be done. And when we live like that in Galatians 2.20, We're taking up a cross. And then secondly, what's the tactical victory? And I know these are just kind of interesting terms, but the tactical victory over the power of the devil means that not only has God given us the strategic victory, but he's also given us a day-to-day victory. What is that? God has given us a power system so that we can fulfill God's plan and purpose while we live in Satan's world. And this is really satan's world that we're living i mean god is the god of the earth but there's a system and we call it the world system and god has given us skills and a equipment and we're going to talk about that tonight actually um i'll be i'll be teaching the class live tonight um the methods of evangelism class and we're going to talk about the skill set the uh six um The six patterns of how we can be, six patterns of thinking, and number two, we're going to talk about ten problem-solving tools that God gives us. That whenever we have a problem in our life, we can take out one of these ten tools, and every one of them work. And we're going to talk about them tonight in, in relationship to evangelism. And so, I just want us to close with this: that our strategic victory over the devil today is a cross. And our tactical victory, our day-to-day victory, is when we receive from God the empowering grace of God, which we'll talk about tonight, so that we can live in his plan and not be one of these kinds of people that we just wander around in our life not knowing what is God's will for my life and just kind of winding up somewhere. and I don't know how I got there. But God's concrete plan of grace and plan of blessing in our life is something that we discover by understanding these principles that we talked about today. And I want to finish it tonight. Amen? amen. <clears throat> so Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Can I ask for prayer for Jack? He's yes. Ready.